everybody, welcome to Video Night. It is the 30th anniversary of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Well, I mean, a couple weeks ago, but hey, we don't have to be on the nose, people. You're so demanding. Ugh. And uh, no, we're going to discuss geez. the original film, the trilogy in general, and the spinoff TV series briefly, and so much more, I think. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I am your host, Michael. Jacob's on the other side with me. How's it going? It's going very well. I haven't been shrunking yet. No um, haywire, nothing short-circuiting, so we're okay. <laughs> um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is a very interesting Disney movie. Is It's because... The origins of it started off as a low-budget, like, homage to 50s sci-fi by Stuart Gordon, who had just come off the reanimator, one of the greatest independent gore films of all time. Have you seen the reanimator? I've, bri- I've briefly seen some clips. I've heard of it. It has been mentioned, and yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's a trip. It's, it's quite yeah. a trip already. I'm like, my God, this is something trauma would do. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, I think it was Empire Pictures that released it, but it's one of these things where he had done that. He had done. I think he had sold the script for Honey I Shrunk the Kids, somewhere between From Beyond, which is a crazy ass movie, and Dolls, which is kind of like a predecessor to Puppet Master and Chucky and stuff like that. And, oh wow! And uh, he had sold the script, and he was set up to direct. And he got horribly sick, and he couldn't do it, and Disney had a deadline. They wanted a summer release for 89, and so they hired Joe Johnston, who had been one of, like, George Lucas's uh, guys, you know, special effects, and um, I, I'm trying to remember. He did second unit footage on something big, but he, he's the one who got the, the nod to take over on this movie, which really isn't that big budget movie for normal studios, but this is when Disney was really, like, in dire straits, so $19 million dollars. There was a lot on the line for this studio. Oh, God, yeah. And, of course, this is, you know, pre-Michael Eisner era. This is, like, 89, of course. But, um, oh, my God, I was only a year old. I think Eisner, I remember... I think Eisner was there. I think Eisner came in around 84, 85, because I remember him hosting the uh, Wonderful World of Disney on ABC Sunday nights. And he had taken off just a little bit before uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He's responsible for saving the studio. Because you look at the time before Eisner and then after Eisner, it's wildly different. You got you got creative movies and, and you know innovative stuff, but it just wasn't successful for one reason or another. Dragon Slayer, Black Hole, uh, Tron, uh, The Journey of Natty Gan, uh, The Black Cauldron was a huge flop. I think the only thing in there that was really successful was probably the fact that they launched Touchstone Pictures, which is their more mature division, and um, uh, Oliver and Company. You know, that's right yeah. as... No, hold on. Oliver Company was after Eisner. Maybe Great Mouse Detective, I think, was just starting production as he took over. Wow. So oh, my he, God. That's right. Great Mouse Detective. That was another one. But, yeah, no, I thought Tron was actually a success when I remember reading up on it. It's sort of... Okay, Tron's... Confu- Back then, okay, yeah. Okay, so I, I was only five when it came out, so I only heard rumors of this. It came out and didn't do very well, but the video game uh, blew up. It became, like, you know, big word of mouth. So Disney gave it another shot in theaters, and that's when it broke even. But it never made a profit in America. It wasn't mm. until video and TV is when it started building its call, started making lots of money, and then, you know, look, 25 years later, we got the sequel. And still waiting for that fucking part three. Tell me why it is that Marvel can't at least go, hey, Tron, three, you know, let's do it as a comic book series. Disney, just love do it. Do it as an animated exactly. thing. Exactly. Something. Finish the story. Uh, we're getting off the top exactly. of here. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, back to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So yeah, in 88 is when they had Oliver and Company and Roger Rabbit, which were the big, like, oh my god, Disney might actually have something now. 
And, you know, they yes. threw the first Roger Rabbit animated short in front of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which was a big deal, which had to have helped a little yes. in the box office. Oh, of course. that uh, I remember that uh, short uh, before the movie started when I had it on VHS when I was a little kid. Yeah, it's funny. That was it's, it. Apparently Spielberg, a sticking point with him was that he was saving the first uh, Roger Rabbit cartoon for uh, arachnophobia. Which, in the timeline, to me, doesn't make oh. any sense. I just, I, see, I watched the video that said the 10 things you don't know about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And it said he wanted to save it for arachnophobia. I was like, that's like a year and two months later. And it was oh. a PG-13 movie from Hollywood Pictures. Why would that be a thing? It makes so much more sense for it to be in front of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> Sorry, I was just shuddering at the thought of the movie arachnophobia. Let's keep talking about this movie. Keep did I, did I movie. tell you that I used to live Rick in a I used to live in a tiny town where arachnophobia was filmed. I used to live in Cambria. Oh, oh shit, no way. Yeah, it's a town of like 4,000 people. It's got one strip downtown, and it's right there in arachnophobia. That's Cambria. Oh, wow. It seems like a very nice town. Yeah, so. well, it's just very secluded. All right, so okay. uh, 89 is the summer of Rick Moranis, the summer that he ruled the friggin' world. He had Parenthood, which was a massive hit. Uh, he had a decent-sized part in Ghostbusters, but I feel like they shot him in, like, two weeks and then moved on. And then it's, you know, that was a big hit. Even though, for some reason, people don't seem to like Ghostbusters 2, I watched that more than Ghostbusters yeah. 1. I love Ghostbusters yeah, no. 2. Yeah, no, same here. I was definitely more familiar with part 2 uh, than it was the first one growing up. One day we're going, uh, we're going to revisit. Did I send you a Ghostbusters comic book? I can't remember. I believe you did. I'll have to look for it. We, we can, we, I want to do a Ghostbusters anniversary episode this year because the 35th anniversary. We got the cartoons. We got the movies because uh, now we have the, the, the remake coming up. Or not the remake, the requel? I don't know what you even call it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, an actual spin-off sequel. Yeah, so and then Honey, and Shrunk the Kids, um, I think even made more money than Ghostbusters. I think Ghostbusters was supposed to be kind of a disappointment at like $109 million, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, I think, made like 120 that's astonishing. Yeah, no. The one that nobody expected to be a hit was the, the yeah game. sleeper hit. And open up against Batman same day. <laughs> I know, but I know it, it still was a huge success. Although Batman dominated. Yeah, but it seemed it like dominated. it was a good, it was good. Uh, Batman was too dark. So if you want to take kids to the movies in the summer of '89, you really don't have anything that's family friendly. You got Indiana Jones. You got friggin' Roadhouse, <laughs> Ghostbusters yeah. 2, uh, Karate Kid 3. I mean, all these movies, none of them really, really locked in the kids. So I can see why Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was the perfect summer movie. For sure. Oh, God. Especially, you know, one, like, it's really, you know, from the viewpoint of the kids as well as the parents. You know, how, but at the same time, of course, you know, kid, you know, kids could connect with, you know, some this, you know, you got your little whiz kid, you got your uh, job, of course, rebellious jock you also got the uh the bratty little brother yeah the bratty little brother who tried you know who tried not to accept responsibility for breaking the damn window although it, it was actually you know you got to thank him because if it wasn't for that then the machine wouldn't have worked right you had no movie <laughs> um exactly and then of course there's the you know the uh somewhat stereotypical responsible popular girl right who liked to dance and uh, i, I have to give credit <laughs> Look, a lot of it's about the kids and Rick Moranis and the relationship of him trying to save them. But there is a sub-character in this that is so funny, and I cannot believe he didn't get more movies after this, is Matt Frewer as the next Frewer. He is so good in this. Oh, God, yes. When he's trying to lift up that uh, that bar when he's uh, 
trying to teach his son about like you know exercising and becoming a man and all that and he barely does one lift <laughs> i just love his, his reactions his reactions to uh Zelensky next door like you know when he's on that big gurney and he's like going around trying to look at the ground he's like it just is golden his reactions sell a lot of the com- and most of the comedy actually is him because a lot of oh, it's God, very yeah. dire and serious this is a big adventure movie oh yeah i know for sure oh especially like when he meets his friend that he's supposed to go on the fishing trip with oh yeah the little like like the little fishing handshake thing. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, I think right They're after really this, I think part of it killed his momentum is that um, the movie he did after Honey I Shrunk the Kids didn't do very well. It's called Short Time with Dabney Coleman, and then he did Doctor Doctor, which was critically acclaimed. It was on for three seasons, but I think it just kind of stopped him from taking any movie roles. Dang. Yeah. No, that's the, that's the thing about taking on a TV show. This the shooting schedule. You won't have time. Uh, for the movie. Yeah. <clears throat> but, again, Matt Fury does hold a special place in my heart. Hell, I lit up like when I saw him in Watchmen as Moloch. Yeah. He's still, he's a he's a Canadian treasure, honestly. He he shows up in all these movies that are shot up there now on TV shows. Oh. But there was a brief moment where he was red hot because of Max Headroom. Oh, God, yes. I, 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 oh, and he was also the voice of the uh, priest. In, oh, no, the priest, cardinal, whichever one. He, you hate him regardless. <laughs> in Castlevania. Really? He's okay. The, the, the Netflix yeah. series? Yes. Okay. The, oh, um, my God. He does a fantastic job. With the movie, I have to say that I like Stuart Gordon with a few of his movies, but I don't think he's a good fit for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He cannot handle a big-budget movie and make it exciting. He did Robot Jocks immediately after he – okay, so he was too sick to do Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and when he got better, he did a movie called Robot Jocks. Have you seen this one? No, but it sounds funny. It's and it's a funny name. Uh, Robot Cox is the porno version of it. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I thought that'd be Robocop. The um, I'm just trying to think. Robot Jocks is basically in the future. Instead of having full blown wars, countries have uh, athletes who operate these fighting robots, and they get into it and they pilot it and they launch it. And whoever wins the battle wins whatever the argument that's going between the countries. And it's, huh. it was a $10 million movie. It bankrupted the company because it opened at like a million dollars. It just it, – it's okay, but it's not fast. It's not exciting. There was actually two sequels to it, which is surprising to me. But Ouch. that's what happened to him. And then he just went on to do more. He did Fortress with Christopher Lambert, if you've seen that one, and, and Space Truckers with Dennis Hopper and Stephen Dorff. Not a guy who can handle – not a guy who can really handle a lot of Disney stuff. Where Joe Johnston clearly is made for this kind of movie. He went on to do Rocketeer after this. And Jurassic oh, Park yes. 3, uh, Captain America. Yes, that's what he did. Oh my god, I loved what he did with Captain America. He, it was perfect. That's actually, even though, uh, even as far as Phase 1 goes, or like throughout all the phases of Marvel, that's still like one of my top favorite uh, Marvel movies. Yeah, it's so wholesome and wonderful. And uh, people give Captain America a bad rap, but he's the one fighting the man. You know, everybody's like, oh, he's such a good old boy. I was like, yeah, that's kind of what we need right now. We don't need any more Punisher, alt-right-wing, uh, gun-worshipping freak shows. So Anti-hero, just, vigilante. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah like, just murders. Captain America and Su- yeah, yeah, exactly. Captain America and Superman are the ones we need. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but when it comes to Joe Johnson, do you think that was like kind of a nod to him in the movie Orange County when uh, – it's after the, the big old fire and uh, Jack Black's talking to Ben Stiller. 
And he's asking him what his name is. He's like, what's your name? My name is Joe. Uh, John. He's like, your name's Joe John? Joe Johnston. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. But yeah, I do love Joe Johnston's work. He definitely, uh, when, he, when he directs a film, yeah, it's very wholesome. Uh, it's something everybody can enjoy. Yeah. Like a Spielberg. Like well, a Spielberg. Like a well-balanced meal. The one that he did that was really good that no one ever talks about, um, the one with Gyllenhaal where they shot off the rocket. October Sky. Thank you. That's really Oh, good. that was him too? Yeah. My God. <laughs> Damn. Right? He's Go the perfect some. guy for this kind of movie. And um, the action just moves. It's so creative. The set pieces are amazing. I can't believe how good the stop motion was. This is probably the greatest moment for any sort of uh, stop motion animation. We had it in Willow and we had it in this. And then, you know, eventually, you know, within a couple years, CGI is taken over. And then CGI, till this day, still has moments where it's rough, where it's hard to believe. You have to get the right artist to do it. And it's the yeah. same thing for stop motion animation. You have to give the right artist that job or it looks too stilted. Oh. Did you die? What happened? <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought I lost you, boy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Weird. Um, I, I just, okay. I, I can't, I was so sad. I didn't remember. I haven't seen this since it came <laughs> no, out. No, I'm still here. I don't know. Nothing's eaten me yet. No giant scorpions and no giant ant. <laughs> uh, speaking of the giant ant, I was so heartbroken when it died. <laughs> yeah, I don't oh know. Oh my God. That was so weird. What just happened? I think I went to the future, like five seconds ahead of you. It was... <laughs> Bizarro. <laughs> Have you been tampering with tachyons? Dude, literally, this happens every once in a while, and it's usually just a second or two. That was a long gap. I could have done a dance number between that. The little ant who comes to save him, I honestly thought that he was going to live. When he died, I was devastated. I can't imagine what it was like for a child back then. It was devastating. I was... Choking up, my God! Like I haven't cried that hard since Land Before Time. Oh my God! It's just it was so surprising because I was like, "Oh, they're gonna fight now. They're gonna say, oh no, he's dead. He's dead, dead. Oh my!" Yeah, no. And they fought back against the giant scorpion. And again, the the set pieces were just you know perfectly built. Yeah, but well, man, I, I think a lot of it ugh. is the design is they focus very well on making it look uh, everything had a weight to it. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. That's the problem with Part Three, which we'll get to. Um, there's weight to everything, so it feels like it's actually there. That leaf looks real. That water looks real. Everything looks like, if this was to happen, I believe every second of it. Oh, God, yes, I know. And, even, uh, again, that's the beauty of practical effects and building up sets. Like, you actually feel like you're in a whole other world. Yeah. And this movie captured it perfectly. Also, yeah, no, again, with um, that one scene that really gets me now as an adult, just, you know, especially when going through allergies – when Nick lands in all the pollen, he's like, I'm too small for it to affect me. And then he sneezes. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, you have, oh. you have terrible allergies. I got to tell you, since I've moved to Oregon, I don't really ever get allergy problems. I don't remember having a whole lot of them in California either. They were hell on earth in Indiana, like just as someone poured salt in my eyes and then rammed cotton up my nose. Uh, ow. Bubba hey. tackled like dust for a whole month. Oh, God. I can try to do my best Marlon Brando impression <laughs> while my allergies are affecting me. <laughs> Marlon Brando always sounds like he's holding gravy under his bottom lap player. He's kind of holding them. Um, it's, it's just plus some uh, blood buildup uh, from the surgery. There's a little bit of side effects. I'll save you my Thanksgiving I... dinner for later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I don't get hungry on set. Give me a biscuit. It's soaking out of my lip. I gotta agree. It's getting, oh, I gotta say it. I can't believe we're going on this tangent here. <laughs> okay, so of course the first one is a phenomenon. It gives Rick Moranis leading man status, even though he, he kind of had it before. He had it with Spaceballs, and he had it with Little Shop of Horrors. So it's weird oh, yes. that, did you know that Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was originally offered to Chevy Chase? Oh my god, no. This but is another again, one. What, what, what? Now, I'm not, this is what I was reading online, doesn't mean it's 100% true, but that's what they were saying is that they were developing as a project for him, but he decided to go off and do Christmas Vacation. Now, this is where I have a sticking point. A, thank God, because Chevy Chase is not made for this character whatsoever. And B, um, Christmas Vacation was fairly short shoot. And it looks like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was a very long shoot. There, I don't I don't believe that the two would have collided with each other because Chris's vacation, I guarantee you, shot as just as, uh, you know, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was probably entering post-production. So I, I don't, I think Chevy Chase, if he was involved, probably said, meh. Good, good pass, Chevy. Honestly, yeah, no, he would have been way too out there. And would Joe Johnson have been able to handle him? Well, also, yeah, that's so. the thing, is Chevy Chase is impossible. He's an asshole. And with the exception of a couple of movies, he always reads as an asshole. Also, John Candy was offered after Chevy Chase bailed. And he went to do Uncle Buck instead, but he said he recommended um, Rick Moranis. I think if you're going to offer anybody from SCTV, it has got to be Rick Moranis or Martin Short. Martin Short would have been a lot of fun in this. Oh, God, yes. No, like both just kill, would have killed it. I mean, well, of course, Rick Moranis did. Yeah, well, <laughs> Especially I, that scene where it's like the goal. I think the thing is that Rick Moranis has a sweet quality, whereas uh, Martin Short has a weirdo quality. Yeah, no, Martin Short was definitely more goofier. But Rick Moranis, though, like, especially when the Goldbergs were, like, uh, coming in, like, to sign that little uh, uh, deal for his wife because, you know, she's a mortgage broker. That's another thing. Like, uh, what, eight, uh, you know, 80s movie, it's like both parents are working. One, of course, is like a, you know, not a crackpot scientist, like a genius, but yeah. just hasn't hit his stride yet. Right. Just he's he's a one more successful version of Billy Peltzer's dad from Gremlins. Pretty much, yeah. And then, of course, uh, you know, the mom, you know, she's hardworking as well. She's, you know, financially independent. She doesn't need to rely on it. And she likes to work as well. So, you know, of course, there doesn't seem to be too much connection between, like, the parents and the kids because they're always working. Oh, well, the dad, actually, because he works at home working on his inventions. But even then. Yeah. That does kind of, like, bond, uh, kind of come back at the end of the movie, especially after, you know, missing them for so long due to the fact that they've shrunk. I, just, I think the first one is so magical, and it's just the beginning of an era where I think a lot of the Disney movies that they did after this, even the ones that didn't do very well, I think are still special. Um, I don't know why it is that Disney doesn't give a shit about any of those movies anymore. Heavyweights is a great movie. <laughs> the Mighty Ducks. Yes. A goofy movie. Um, Camp Nowhere. God, yes. Uh, well, Camp Nowhere may not be a classic, but I like it. There's so many of these movies that they just kind of dished and threw away, like that Darn Cat remake is pretty good, George of the Jungle. It's just when they started buying up all the other properties, and it's like, don't you yes. care anymore about your own stuff? I said that as I said George of the Jungle. I know that's not their own, but um, uh, it's the sequel. I saw a bunch when it came out, and I was super excited, and I watched it, and it's okay, but it doesn't have any of the magic. Yes, it's more expensive. Yes, it's more innovative. But I can see all the tricks, and it's kind of weird, and it's also just a story that's not that interesting because, uh, I don't know, I, I love, what well, Andy's the son, right? Yeah, Adam. Adam. I, I really enjoy Adam. Wait, wait, the middle son? 
The one with the glasses. What's the baby's name? Nick. Oh, yeah. Nick's the middle son, the one with okay. the glasses. Adam is the baby. He's really interesting, but he loses a lot of that dynamic that he had with the other guys. Because, I mean, it's solely focused on him. And his, and I understand where they're going with him being, like, kind of frustrated with, uh, you know, he's getting to a certain age where he wants his own independence and stuff like that. So that was an interesting corner to take. But I just didn't care about the baby. I don't know why. Um, it just didn't seem interesting to me. Yeah, I know. Well, of course, like, you know, it's simple. You know, he's just a little kid who just wants to have fun. And all of a sudden, he grows giant and starts wreaking havoc. It's like a little Godzilla. snaps. <laughs> exactly. Just an adorable version of Godzilla. And then, of course, everyone realizes that it's a baby, like, near the end, when uh, Zelensky's old boss, who had just been fired by uh, Jeff Bridges. No, not Jeff Bridges. Lloyd, Lloyd. Bridges. Yeah. God. They're all, yeah, they're all related. <laughs> but, yeah. He, but, yeah, his old boss is, like, you know, trying to shoot Trank uh, darts at him. And then he electrocutes him with the freaking uh, when he shoots the guitar, and then they everyone realizes this is just a giant baby. Oh my god, what have we done? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was I gonna say? There's, I think there was another Roger Rabbit short. Carrie part. Russell. Yeah, Carrie Russell, ba- a very, very young Carrie Russell. It's so shocking. I think it was the first thing I'd ever seen her in. Who knew that she would go into Felicity and all this other successful stuff? I wonder what ever happened to that kid though, the one who played their middle son. Or, well, their middle kid, thus, a little older son. Because uh, I thought he Nick. was pretty good. I really liked him in that. Yeah, he just Wasn't he in Dream Warriors? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? No, that was a different one. He would have been, like, seven at the time. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I know you're talking about, but no, yeah, it's not him. Um, looks a lot like him, though. Yeah, he does. Uh, you know, have you ever seen a movie called The Gate? Everybody says I look like the kid in The Gate. It's annoying. <laughs> the Gate. Isn't that with uh, Stephen Dorff? Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. No, I haven't seen that in such a long time. The, uh, uh, I was going to say, oh, I, I see, I, I knew, I knew that this movie was called Honey, I Blew Up the Baby for the longest time. In fact, in my head, it was still called Honey, I Blew Up the Baby. When I was watching it and I looked, it says, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. I was like, where the hell did that happen? And then I remembered that at one point there was a bunch of controversy and they had to change the name to Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Like, that's a better thing. You're still blowing somebody up. But I don't know what else you can do. <laughs> honey, I enlarged the child. I don't know. But I couldn't find any proof. And then I finally found an article from Variety, I think, where they talk about the skyrocketing budget and that it was called Honey, I Blew Up the Baby. Right. I know. Like I said, I'm like, kid, baby, it doesn't matter. It still sounds yeah. terrible if you think of it that way. I mean, heck, even when uh, – oh, even in the uh, the special that you mentioned, the uh, 3D tour uh, in Walt Disney World in Florida – Back in the 90s, uh, even when Eric Idle said, um, was speaking to the audience, he's like, don't worry, we'll all blow you back up in one moment. And then he just looks around for a while. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the second movie didn't do anywhere nearly as well. I mean, not even close. Uh, it's weird when that happens with sequels, where the one, the first one is just a phenomenon and the second one just doesn't happen. It happened with Wayne's World, uh, Sister Act, Adam's Family. Um, they analyze this. It tends to happen to comedies where the sequel just doesn't do anywhere nearly as well. Um, this Batman, opened up yes. against Batman Returns. They probably thought it was going to work again, which it should have, because the second Batman is even darker. <laughs> yes. Got complaints from parents. But I feel like there was a lot around that time period that people were always going to. The, the, the feeling of 89 was a little more action-oriented and violent, whereas 92 it had different things. You could do the first sister act. I think they had Bebe's kids and um, I'm trying to remember what all came out. I'm gonna look this up. I want to know what came out summer of 1992 to compete with it, or maybe it was just a mediocre movie and people didn't want to see it. Um, go ahead and talk about the movie while I stall. Ha ha. Well, I mean, well, I mean, you are 
correct, though. I mean, especially with, what, the simple concept of a giant baby, like, running around town, you know, going to Las Vegas and going to the Hard Rock uh, Cafe, playing with the guitar, you know, just just being an adorable big baby. It's like, oh, my God, but everybody's freaking out like it's Godzilla. Like, even, <laughs> the, even though there was that one clip when it's, like, those Japanese tourists were about to say that. <laughs> but then... Oh, I mean, oh okay, this is weird. It opened later than I expected. I thought it opened in June. It did not open up against Batman. It opened two weeks later. See, Batman opened on June 19th, and then they had Pinocchio re-release, Unlawful Entry, Boomerang, so none of these movies are going to compete, but we had A League oh, of Their okay. Own. A League of Their Own was a phenomenon that all families went to. Yes, oh, uh, God, that was such a great movie. See, uh, nothing else here, because it's Universal Soldier, um... Man, Mo Money? You know, Mom and Dad Save the World. That's one that got murdered. That should have been big. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it just won, I guess, Three Ninjas. Okay, there you go. Everyone went to see that piece of shit, Three Ninjas. Ugh. Fuck. I know. They think that spawned two more sequels. Yeah. Jesus. Well, it wasn't part three, just like... Uh, no, like I, think there's the four of them. I think there's four of them, because it's, it's like Three Ninjas Attack, or Three Ninjas Strike Back, and there's it ended with Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain, where they take on... <laughs> take on Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Hogan. <laughs> oh, you're part right. Oh. oh, no. <laughs> the, uh, so uh, that one didn't do well, and they're trying to figure out what they did want to do, because it still sold very, very well on video, and it did well on TV. And like, what do we do? And they did, the, like you said, the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience ride at, at one of the Disneylands. Um, it must be gone because you haven't seen it, or it's in Florida. Yeah, it was in Florida, but I think it was, uh, it was moved for um, Captain EO. You know, I just discovered there's still a Waterworld ride. There's three of them. It's been 20 years. Yeah, years. Universal. Yeah, it's just shocking because the movie was a huge flop. Everybody bashed it. I watched it last night, and I was like, oh, this movie's getting better, even though it has really, really silly moments. There's still a Waterworld ride. That's crazy. Disney would have no patience for this kind of thing. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, I'm surprised that's what's still there at Universal, especially when they don't have the Back to the Future ride anymore. Yeah, that's a bit astonishing. The Conan thing is gone, too, but they don't own the rights to Conan because that's, that's a problem. Okay, um, yeah. so, then still have was, the mummy. so then they thought about doing a, a part three just to wrap up kind of the story. I think they were going to do it for like $20, 25000000 million because they knew they could make the money back on video. But the animated movies that were coming straight to video, like Lion King 2, Aladdin 2, stuff like that, were doing yeah. very well. We're talking phenomenally well. These like $5 million animated movies were making $50 million alone just on video. And DVD had just debuted, so they said, let's try Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, or Honey, I Shrunk Our... What is it? Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Yes, that's what it was. And I tried figuring it out in my head before I looked it up. I was like, well, if you're going to start off with like a $20 million movie, you got to cut this, this, this. Rick Moranis has got to get a big paycheck, so that's going to eat up most of the budget. At bare minimum, this costs $13 million. No. This costs wow. seven. Seven million dollars. And you know either Rick Moranis was desperate or they gave him a back-end deal because there's no way. I mean, at this point, he was probably making, even with the bombs of like, Little Giants and Big Bully, he was still probably commanding two or three million dollars. That's most of the budget. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Oh God, but yeah, I didn't know like Little Giants uh, and uh, Big Bully were flops. Yeah, I still have never seen Big Bully. Is that any good? Oh yeah, no, it was pretty good from what I remember. It's been a long time. But, that weird man. phenomenon of Tom Arnold being a leading man—so strange. Oh, I know, and a villain no less. Yeah. It was either Big Bully, Dang. Carpool, uh, Mikhail's Navy, and the Stupids. I think were all his. Leading role. <laughs> I'm my own grandpa. <laughs> oh, hilarious. gosh. I love that. I love <laughs> that part. Um, so, yeah, so they shot it on TV resolution and it shows. The special effects 
are of that moment, which they still hold up in a way, but you can clearly see there's no weight to it. It is all of them acting in a big empty room that's a green screen. There's nothing really tangible. It doesn't feel, it feels so fake. It just, I, I just, and the story's yeah. just, they, they take the adventure out of it by, you know, having it outside, which was what the first two movies were. It's safe, kind of, in the house. And it's just basically like this weird domestic, oh, the kids are having a party. We got to save them and save ourselves. I'm like, I don't care about any of this. Yeah, no, and also that daddy long leg would have eaten them. Yeah. That would have, daddy long leg would not have been nice. We got a young Mila uh-huh. Kunis, which was a shock. It must have been one of our oh very first God, things. Right. And then we had Allison Mack. What the fuck? Oh, what happened to her? I know. Like, what? what? The... Yeah, it was, I could not stop thinking about that while I was watching. It's like, you're going to eventually become like a leader of a sex cult. Ugh, yeah, shit. Sorry. Yeah, no. Um, and I think this is also shot in Canada. So you got the TV resolution, so you're saving money that way. You got tangible effects, or not tangible, non-tangible effects, where it's all just like garbage uh, blue screen. Um, apparently there was supposed to be a big sequence where they're going to do, like, they get, they get launched into the aquarium and they got to save themselves. But it was going to add so much to the budget they had to ditch it. They literally hired Joel Hodgkin, Hodgson, I don't know how you say his name, from Mystery Science Theater 3000 to uh, rewrite the script to make it smaller because he was used to dealing with very very small budgets on mystery science theater and i think he did an okay job it's just not funny i can't believe there's no jokes yeah no it really did i it it was i was just something to just get through basically yeah due to the fact that you know it was honey i shrunk the kids you know part of the you know part of that trilogy and i'm just like it was. I, I. You got to treat it like it was Revenge of the Sith. You know, just watch it just to get it over. Yeah, it's a. Point. It's. I almost feel like Rick Moranis was probably like. I'm. I'm kind of wrapping things up on the dance floor here. I'm gonna guess that he did probably take a percentage of the video, and that and that he just like, oh my god, this scored huge. I can live off this for a while, and plus you know the loss of his wife. So he was able to take that time off, and he does come back every once in a while, mostly just to do voice work and comedy albums. Um. Yeah, he decided to just like you know give up Hollywood and take care of his kids. It's just, that was the main reason. I wish this wasn't his last movie. That's the thing that bugs me the most. This is what you go out on. That sucks. Mm-hmm. And then, um, as far as like the supporting cast, uh, Stuart Pankin as his brother, I think. Yeah, he showed up in a lot of stuff. He lost a shitload of weight and he started doing those like um, TV infomercial stuff. I don't know if you ever seen him do that. No, I haven't. Yeah. He's just one of those guys, he was one of those faces that showed up all the time. You know, No matter where he went, I was like, oh, he's just one of those guys that shows up in these lower-budget comedies, and usually pretty reliable. Yeah. You, oh, God, especially in a... Mannequin 2 was something I really remember him for. On the move. Just like Pooh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then he was also like one of the directors that showed up in the background in that movie, The Artist. Uh, Is he? You know what I'm talking about? The, the yeah, he's one of those. He's like one of those directors. Oh, okay, that's crazy. No, 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 actual artist. Yeah, I know. I was like, holy crap. What's yeah, the, dude, a lot of people. What's the artist? Yeah, you. Oh, the artist is that uh, black and white movie uh, with Jean oh, Dujardin. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 The French movie. Okay. Yeah, it's a silent. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's what's great. It's a silent film. They too. replaced like, the wife in this one, which sucked because we were so used to Marcia Strasman because she was in it all the way, and then all of a sudden this one she's just not. Yeah. 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 Gordon was the one who I think who uh, came in to replace her. Yeah, I just didn't like her as much. Um, Robin Bartlett is one of those ladies who had a brief moment. I remember she even had an article in Entertainment Weekly because she after all his work in the comedy scene that she finally broke out. Oddly enough, with um, If Looks Could Kill, with Richard Grieco, where he's a high school spy. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, Michael Corbin, that was his name. That's it. Wow, yeah, I can't believe you yourself. remember that. The stuff you know. You were two when that movie came out, or three. It just shocks me. You must have caught a video later. <laughs> yes, I watched a lot of it on HBO. Oh, it, it's, here's the thing: is the audience hell? doesn't know this. Is I'm 42 and he's 30. Are you 30? Are you 31 yet? You're 30. 31. Yeah. Okay. But the thing is, is that he <laughs> he knows stuff so well from my era, like a 10 years earlier. It just shocks me. And I'm terrible with knowing what's from his era. I'm such a dink. My God, yeah, you know who else was in that movie? What? Freaking Roger Rees and Linda Hunt. That, they were yeah. in that. Uh, well, that's where Gabrielle Noir, I think. That's the first thing that she ever did. Wow. Yeah. Uh, tangent here, yeah. sorry. Okay, so to wrap this up real quickly, we watched a couple episodes of the TV show. And I, I remember it being on because uh, Dean Cameron, who played Chainsaw in summer school, was promoting that he was going to be in an episode. And somehow there's this weird time travel thing where the Beatles come uh, into their time. And uh, <laughs> and him and uh, the guy, the other guy from Ski School, uh, I can't remember his name all of a sudden. I feel like an asshole for not knowing. But um, they play like George and Ringo. Uh, you know, the two that no one really notices. Um, and they were so funny in that episode. But I never caught another episode of it. It was syndicated. It was not on the Disney Channel. Because it was a little too expensive for the Disney Channel. So they thought, and it was smart thinking, look, ABC's not going to pick this up because it's not high quality enough for them. We can't afford to put it on the Disney Channel. But what we can do is syndicate it out to all these independent stations. And then when it's done, we re-air it on the Disney Channel. That was smart thinking. And that way it lasted three years with, honestly, a decent-sized budget for a TV show. Yeah, no... From what I could tell, especially of that era, that was pretty decent sized budget. Yeah. The, uh, you look at it now, you're like, yeah. No, oh yeah, they wouldn't even hold up now. Up. The TV's changed so much. A million dollar budget back in, you know, the '90s was fairly okay for a sci-fi show. You could not pull that off now. Every show seems like a Flash. Every episode of Flash looks like it cost five million dollars. Oh God, I know. But we literally have shows really on well. Netflix that are twenty million dollars an episode. Marco Polo is twenty million dollars an episode. That's insane. Holy crap. Right? <laughs> there was a, supposed to be a Conan TV show on Amazon, but they looked at the budget for 13 episodes. It was going to cost them like $115 million. Like, nah, we're good. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. What's it? Oh, God. There's – I'm trying to think of the guy from Ski School. There was Patrick Labiorto and then Thomas Bresnahan. No. Those are the other guys besides Dean Cameron. Stuart – Stuart – Mark Thomas Miller. Uh, he was styled – what? Stuart Franken, yes. He was the uh, second uh, Styles in Team Wolf 2. But, um, see, that's how I knew about the show. But I, I watched it. Peter Scolari is fine. Um, he, he comes close to capturing the warmth and charm of Rick Moranis, so I can't give him any uh, negativities on that. Did you see who the son is, though, in that TV show? Oh, God. Yeah, I, yeah, I did, actually. That's, that's John Connor from that Terminator TV show from, like, ten years ago. Yeah, Thomas Decker. That's yeah, his name. Uh, the Sarah Connor. Uh, I, I can't say the word. Sarah Connor Chronicles. Say that three times fast. Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Chronicles. Sarah Connor Chronicles. Sarah Connor Chronicles. <laughs> Sarah Connor Chronicles. All right. He doesn't have a tongue tied. I, I I don't know what's wrong with me. Ah, <laughs> oh, you got it. I hate you. <laughs> it's all good. They were talking about oh, remaking this. The... So I'm, I'm not. I don't know about that. I don't know if I want them to remake this. It's going to be a CGI bar fest. Yeah, no, no, no. no. I mean. You're right. If I mean, no, leave, leave it as is. Plus, Disney doesn't—they don't seem to focus on that. 
I mean, Pixar has the right idea. They're focusing on like original uh, stories and titles from now on. Yeah. Like with Onward. Like they're not going to be doing any more sequels, especially after Toy Story 4. I can't believe they even made a 4. It's so weird to me. Yeah. I, honestly, I, I, I thought 3 was the perfect ending, but then I watched 4 and I what loved I, it even more. What I I'm worried three. about is Disney isn't interested in original ideas because so many of them bombed. They've had... And when I say original ideas, I guess I'm wrong because I was just thinking about the movies that bombed were based on something else that they didn't originally own, like Lone Ranger, uh, A Wrinkle in Time. What's the one that came out not that long yes. ago that bombed real bad? Uh, Big Friendly Giant. I don't know. Was that Disney? I think that. that uh, yeah, that was the Disney one. I think oh, that was, a, that, I, it was, a it was Spielberg. Touchdown. I yeah. thought it was great. I haven't seen it. It didn't look interesting to me. But it seems like the stuff yeah. they do that's not associated with Marvel. Or remakes of their own live action. Oh, Dumbo. Dumbo didn't do well, which is a shock to me. Because when I look on page, when they show me Aladdin, Lion King, uh, Dumbo, and what's the other one coming out? Oh, Mulan. And I look at all these, I'm like, God, you guys are doing four of these in one year? Holy shit. Okay. Um, a Dumbo is the one I'm going to go with because it's about a misfit. It's got the beautiful uh, Tim Burton direction. He's got the wonderful cast that I absolutely love. When I look at Aladdin, I go, nah, I'm good. I hate Guy Ritchie. I fucking hate Guy Ritchie movies. Um, he does a lot of parkour. I God, he does I just so much over-stylized garbage. And yet Aladdin is the one that makes like $450 million and Dumbo just uh, dead in the water. And i just like, I don't understand. And Disney I have is just to rent it when I get the chance. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do because Marvel, I think, has hit its peak. I think it's only downhill from here. I mean, it's going to be a slow downhill unless its quality sucks. It's a slow downhill. Star Wars is clearly like burning people out because they did too many too f close together. Uh, Han Solo is still a phenomenal movie. Give it give it a shot, people. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. It was better than Rogue One. The, I think they need to embrace their original stuff again. And, and maybe finish yeah. Tron Trilogy, you bastards. Give us three, for God's sake. It's, I want to know what the hell happened. Right, come on. It's I been ten years. I want to know what happened to Korra. Let's do the ten years. Let's finish the game, Billy. Let's finish the game. Finish the game. I know. I want to see I want to see Bruce, Bruce Boxleitner come back. I like to say Box Brute Lightner. <laughs> Box Brute Lightner. <laughs> Box Brute Lightner. Sounds <laughs> Scottish. I do this all the time. I flip names for some reason because it just amuses me to no end. Uh, Tronal Dump. <laughs> Tronal Dump is my favorite, even though it... It, it, it's the worst human on the planet, um, probably, with one of my favorite movies, but it just kills me. Tronal Dump. Yeah, I know. It's not your fault. Yeah. It's his fault. He's uh, a yeah, but Box Bruce, Lightner, <laughs> Box Bruce Lightner. It just kills me. I don't know why. I yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, no, Disney does need to start embracing more ideas. Plus, they've been farting money like it's nothing. I, I will say this. <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home. Hey, wait, wait, oh, wait. What if they it. continued Tron? Oh, my God. What if they did it on the Disney Plus channel? What if they did it as a miniseries? They're doing. They're actually doing that a lot with Disney Plus. They're uh, they're doing uh, uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision. They're doing uh, Hawkeye, Winter Soldier, and and uh, yeah, and Falcon. But these are uh, all Marvel. What Loki. about non-Marvel? I oh, they're doing the Star Wars TV show. But yeah, are the they Mandalorian doing, with John Favreau. Are they doing any anything of their own? They need to. I mean, as far as their animation goes, I mean, they're still doing Ducktales. That's back. Dark Duck, it's coming back on its own. It's getting its spin-off. Yeah. And I want to see Gummy I Bears. I want to see some high-level medieval adventures again. Exactly. Yes, of course. Yeah. Start branching out. Look towards your other franchises. Yes. Have some freaking fun, Bob Iger. I, I, I think we pretty much wrapped this one up. Summer of 89 is one of the greatest summers of all time. 
It's crazy. Yes. It's wild. It's confusing. There was so many flops. So many flops that surprised me, but some that don't. Star Trek Five is such a mess. Honestly, weird. Uh, but License to Kill was the greatest Bond of that era, and it bombed. We had Roadhouse being a bigger hit. Weekend at Bernie's was a bigger hit than James Bond. What? Yeah, no. What the fuck? Although yeah. I do enjoy Weekend at Bernie's. It's I love watching it. <laughs> we, should, we should watch those again. The, the Weekend at Bernie's too is kind of fun too. All right, so uh, we're not going to go over long on this. Uh, uh, check us out on Facebook under Video Night Podcast. And uh, Jacob and I, we uh, I think this is our sign-off for the summer. We're not going to be doing any more video nights. We're going to go back to our original podcast, Back in Tunes, where if you love retro stuff, you love kids stuff, we're going to be discussing the second half of our uh, Hanna-Barbera trilogy. Uh, so, second half. I, didn't, I failed at math. What an idiot I am. Second part. The center. Yes. The center the, the juicy center. The, 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 you got the cookies on the end. You got the frosty in the middle, baby. <laughs> Go for it. Exactly. We've got, so, we've got the nice medium rare steak for you. So it's been a couple months. And if you're months, vegan, tough shit. Yes. We did a couple months uh, break there where we did the 60s Hanna-Barbera back in, what, at the end of April. Uh, my friend John has been doing the anime, the summer of anime. So he did, uh, he did like Evangeline and, and he's doing, uh, uh, crying Freeman and stuff like that, uh, Gogol 13. Um, and then we're going to take back over next month. We'll continue with our Hanna-Barbera discussion in the 70s. We're going to finish with the 80s, and we're going to cover like Ruby Spears and Filmation and all sorts of stuff. And if you love Disney, I am going to eventually go back and discuss all of those great Disney animated movies because I think the only thing we ever did was uh, Jungle Book, right? Uh, I believe we did. Uh, we might have briefly gone over... Aladdin. Uh, I think we did Aladdin a little bit. I have to think back, yeah. yeah. Maybe a little bit of Pinocchio and uh, Snow White. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I feel like we should go back. And bare minimum, we should go back during the Lost Era. and do like We have Robin Hood. We have uh, Fox and the Hound, Aristocats, uh, uh, Rescues Down Alice Under. Wonderland. Yes. Yeah. Stuff like that. Okay. Oh, yes. So, Jacob, send us out. All right. Namaste and good luck. And, Michael, what do you say? <laughs> Everybody, they're doing a Bill and Ted 3. What? And I say with that, be excellent to each other. Rock on. Rock on. I can't do a falsetto. Party on, dudes. Can you do a falsetto? Rock on. Rock on. Run to the... I'm going to pass out. Oh, my God. Don't do it, Michael. Don't climb up that hill. It'll kill you.